We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
fellow Lakers Nation, welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com podcast uh, slash live postgame show. The Lakers fall to the Golden State Warriors. Final score, 123-109. to 109. The Warriors on ring night ring up the Los Angeles Lakers. Not pretty during a number of stretches of this game, particularly the third quarter, which the Lakers lost 32-19. to 19. We'll break it all down. What happened in this one? What does this mean moving forward? this mean on the trade front we even have a little trade rumor to discuss as well a lot of things for us to get into on tonight's show as you can see we have sean spaces davis joining us in addition to ron gutterman joining and that's not all let's bring him back here's the masterpiece masters how you doing guys what's up guys good to see you guys haven't yeah, Chris. It's been a little while since you've been on a show here. I was just trying to think. I can't even remember when the last time I've been on, but it's great to see all you guys. Of course, I tell you all the time, Trevor. I watch you guys religiously, so it's not like I'm out of the loop. And uh, opening night, here we are. Well, great, great to have you back on, man. And uh, and thanks for coming. I wish it was under better circumstances. Wish the Lakers had. Had a bit better of a night uh, this evening. Sean and I were talking about the Lakers' performance all on the playback live stream, which some of you who are watching now probably joined us on. Uh, that's a ton of fun, by the way, going over and getting through the game together on playback. We all watch the same stream of the game. So next time, uh, I would encourage you guys to come join us for that. But Ron, having gotten your take, how are you feeling after that performance on opening night, Ron? Yeah, I mean... There was some good. There was a, more bad, I would argue, than good. Uh, but there were there were things that, you know, you could take away that if they weren't playing the Warriors, uh, that they might have looked pretty good. Uh, so I'm not too too upset about this. But again, this is just one of those games where it's a reminder of like the the expectations on this team probably shouldn't be sky high. Twenty five percent from three. At one point, they were shooting. I want to say it was 10%, so even less than they were like, what, one, one for 16 or something at one point? Um, yeah. That's That's got to be concerning. I mean, we knew what this the- team would be a poor three-point shooting team, but they took that to the extreme through portions of, of this game. And then 21 turnovers, those two things really combined to be their, their undoing. Uh, Sean, was there anything that stood out to you as far as the looks they were getting behind the arc? Was, is there any optimism for us there? Were they at least generating good looks? Yeah, they're generally really good looks. They just same problem with the preseason. They just gonna hit it, um, hit the hit those open looks. Doesn't matter if you're getting them, if you just have to hit them um, at the end of the day. So um, yeah, they were getting the looks they wanted. I felt the offense. I thought at times looks really really good. Um, just you know, like twenty one turnovers, Trev. Just the execution all night long was the problem. Um, so, but I mean, like Ron said, I think there were some things to be positive about, but I do think it was a little bit more no negative than positive from tonight. And we are going to get into some of the super chats that are, that are coming. We have some awards to give out on the evening as well. Mario Hernandez says golden state warriors converting points off of turnovers, terrible shooting from three and Steph just being hot killed us. Chris, does this, the fact that it was the warriors and it was Steph Curry, does it make it a little bit easier to stomach or is this still just, Oh no, here we go again. Oh. The Lakers didn't look good. No, Trev, I went into this expecting the absolute worst. I thought we were absolutely just going to get killed and just completely waxed. And, yeah, it was bad. And at certain points, it was really ugly. It got really, like, almost made me 
nauseous. But I do feel like last year's team would have packed it in and would have stayed down by 20 come the fourth quarter. That's one thing that I kept going back to. So I don't feel like it's as bad as last year. Again, I felt like last year's team would have ended this game down 20. So that's the one thing. But, I mean, the shooting, we know the shooting's bad. I mean, what did we expect? And, like, it it just played out. I mean, it just feels like it's going to be a long season. Well, so this team at least fought, put forth the effort all the way through. We did, as Lakers fans noted, we did see the kind of the fake comeback a little bit, not quite to the degree that we did last season, but uh, there was certainly more energy. Of course, you would expect that with a a younger team. Uh, Always winning, said, didn't see the game. Well, count yourself lucky there, perhaps. But uh, 10 for 40 on threes. Golden State Warriors better at rebounds. Is that just, Ron, is that just a symptom of the Lakers starting Anthony Davis at center and playing so small and they have so much of their talent wrapped up in the guard position? Is that is that going to be a challenge for the Lakers, just night in, night out, the rebounding issue? Yeah, and I, I think it goes beyond just having Anthony Davis at center. I think we saw in the preseason, this is not going to be an elite rebounding team. Um, and I say that lightly, I don't think they're going to be a very good rebounding team at all. Uh and, and the Warriors, I think a part of it is they're just such a well-oiled machine at this point that their team rebounding is just phenomenal. It's it's not Kevon Looney dominating down low. It's not Draymond Green getting to the spot every time. It is just phenomenal team rebounding. And the Lakers don't have the size to make up for that. And they don't have the chemistry to do anything similar to what the Warriors are trying to do. So this is just this is a bad matchup in terms of rebounding. But I think all year we are going to have discussions about rebounding being an issue. Obviously shooting, like, that's a known factor. But I think the underrated thing that we're going to be talking about all year is this team is not going to be a good rebounding team unless Anthony Davis is 15. That's not a good combination. A poor shooting team that doesn't rebound well, that means you're not taking advantage of the offensive rebounds that your poor rebound or your poor shooting is creating. So those, those two things can be pretty deadly when you combine them. Uh, John Drake said, what's worse, the loss or the fact that Rob got an extension off this roster well he got the extension before the roster was even put together uh genie i'm assuming means here is giving james dolan a run for the money chris i i've i've gotten sean's take on this i've gotten ron's take on this in previous shows we haven't heard from you chris what do you think about rob Blinken getting an extension how are you feeling about the way the front office is operating currently uh man it is questionable i mean i'm still trying to give rob palika some benefit of the doubt because he did get us a ring but um a lot of his decisions have been very questionable and i can understand anybody being uh you know raising a red flag on this because when you look at it we look at what's happened since the the uh, championship and it's just been a lot of unnecessary moves and then you even look at this year's team and the roster construction is just so questionable and weird and like we don't have shooting we don't have rebounding so um i can't say i'm completely opposed to it but i can understand why other people would be but like i don't know who you put in that position i think Jeannie's just going with people she trusts again whether it's for better or for worse people are that are within the laker family again and rob palenka being kobe's best friend and so i think a lot of that ties into this and that's again we don't know any of this for sure but i'm just speculating chris you know i was i was flipping through some uh you know how you get the reminders of like a year ago today you were doing this or or whatever i think google photos does it it popped up two years ago this was on october 11th you and i were celebrating the lakers winning a championship we did a post game show as as the lakers won the championship against the miami heat that year and i looked at it and i just thought 
my gosh, that felt that feels like that was a lifetime ago at this point. I know we didn't even, and yeah, we didn't get the uh, parade. We didn't get any of that stuff, but you know what? It meant a lot that championship. So, uh, you know, again, I mean, it's just to go from there to being here. It's just, it's crazy. Like, you know, everything that's happened. It, it really has been. It really has been. Uh, Kyle Hampton said uh, that was sub ideal, but it was one game on to Thursday. <laughs> Sean, can we, can we just dismiss this and say it was just one game and, on on a Thursday's game against the, the Clippers and and we move forward or no you, you can't dismiss it like dismissing it is like hey who cares like let's not watch any of the film and let's just get ready for Thursday no you can't just dismiss it uh, going back to what Ron said earlier there was some good stuff I think you want to acknowledge the good but uh, take away like some of the bad things as well and then you go on and say all right cool like let's what's our scouting report for the Clippers but um no it, it's yeah it was one game but gotta get ready. Ron, I have to come to you with this. Uh, you have been, of the Lakers Nation staff, you've probably been the most critical of, of Rob Palenka. Uh, says, as long as Rob is in charge, this team won't go anywhere. Lonnie, Pat Bev, JTA, Dennis, and keeping Westbrook. Are you serious? Um, what, what well, Westbrook, you wasn't, wasn't, Westbrook wasn't Rob's thing, was it, right? So, like, I'm just kind of curious on Ron's part. What is it? I mean, I understand, but, I mean, to be ultra critical, I mean, it doesn't seem like the Westbrook thing was a Rob thing, right? Not not trading Westbrook, Ron. Was that a a Rob? No, I mean getting decision? Westbrook, getting Westbrook, oh, getting in him in, in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I think, I think you're talking about you know two years ago last week they're winning an NBA championship. I think if you want to talk about like a masterclass in dismantling a roster, like you got it. You basically took everything. It it. To me, the last two years has shown a lack of understanding of why the Lakers won. I don't think anyone in the Lakers front office, whether that be Rob, whether that be Jeannie, whether that be the Rambis family, I don't think anyone making decisions for this franchise gets why they won. Uh, you know, they, they won because they built a roster around LeBron and Anthony Davis that featured wings, that featured defense, that featured three and D like it, it, it featured everything that we know about the modern NBA. And we have about 20 years of evidence to support that the formula around LeBron is to surround him with three and D wings. Um, and to see the way they've changed the roster since then kind of shows that they don't really get that. And uh, yes, they did get unlucky with injuries in the year following the championship. Um, but to then turn around and dismantle that roster shows that they didn't think it was injuries at all. And it was just, you know, that team wasn't working. We got to try a new thing. And, um, and so I think... They kind of did it accidentally, too. That was the the sense. Like, that was not their plan A to build that roster that won a championship. Yeah, that was not. Their, their plan A was Kawhi Leonard. And, right. and look, I don't necessarily blame them for that. I think, okay. like, they would have won a championship if they had Kawhi Leonard also. Um, but, I, I, you know, that championship roster was a backup plan. And it felt like they felt the whole season, whether we win the championship or not, this was our backup plan roster. And we need to keep that in mind when we build next year's roster. When in reality it was, Hey, I don't care if it was the backup plan. This roster is exactly what basketball is supposed to look like. Two stars running the offense, leading everyone. And it's three and D wings, the surrounding them. That's, that's, that's the formula. And we're going to see on Thursday, right? Like we're saying, let's move on to next game. Well, the next game is against, that the team that's built that way, it's two stars leading the way 
and a bunch of three and D wings around them in the Clippers. And I think we're, we're going to see, you know, what type of roster construction is really working these days in the NBA. Ron, I, I just had this experience, um, went to the, went to the drive-thru, right? At, uh, at Arby's actually went to the drive-thru at Arby's. This, this doesn't make case. sense. I, I promise you. This we'll doesn't make sense. So, so went, went to the drive-thru at Arby's and I tried to order one thing and they messed up my order. They gave me the wrong thing. Didn't notice it till I got home. Took a bite of that and went, oh my gosh, this is way better. I never would have tried this before. <laughs> the Lakers basically got that and then went back and continued to order the thing that they were trying to originally get, completely disregarding that what they accidentally got was way better. I That's such a <laughs> fascinating analogy. <laughs> I just yeah, can't believe I- it. <laughs> just that's, that's, that's the point that, that's the point that we're at here ron that's that's the point that we're at at this point that, that i'm making arby's, arby's analogies. analogies uh <laughs> mr easley said we got to move russ we need shooters sean you said that the lakers got had, got good looks they just didn't knock down their shots i mean is this is this if they get enough shooters on this roster is that a solution if you if you add like a i don't know a buddy healed and a miles turner is no. there hope here? Is that enough? Like shooters, like not just one. Buddy Heald is not solving this issue. Um, like you need Buddy Heald, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and then maybe the, the issues are solved. Um, like because all seriousness, like first off, Buddy Heald, I think it's kind of getting overrated as a shooter. Like he's a good shooter, but like as Ron nods furiously like he's just fine but like we're not going to be a above average three-point shooting team now because of them um so yeah but they're still shooting them anime dude says why do we still ins- insist on shooting so many threes those so- shots were largely open and i think they're going to see a lot of those open. they're going to be open all year gonna be open no one's going to guard them intel wild says we looked like hot trash all right i won't even go that far I mean, bad. no, they they had their moments, but I think they look good. If they had hit, yeah, you know, the moments for maybe sure. four. Like, I don't know. I don't even know what the final tally was on the three pointers. But if they had hit legitimately three or four more, I don't think that would have taken them even into thirty percent. Um, they finished twenty five percent, ten of forty. Yeah. So if they had gone like fifteen of forty, like that's not even good. Like fourteen of forty, that's like not even that good. But it would have drastically changed the complexion of this game. Just like, sure. and, and you know, eventually they're going to have to hit those. But as I look at this roster and I look at the career stats of the players on the roster, I don't necessarily have hope that they're going to start hitting those. And so they're going to keep missing open threes. That's that's just it, right? When we look at this team, we say, well, if they had just shot league average from three, then this is a totally different game. Yes, but. If you look at their, these guys don't shoot league average from three. That's what you've got on this roster right now. Uh, Rye guy says the team is atrocious. Rob should be fired. Bev at the three. Russ, the same old Russ. Ham looks sketchy. Disaster of a season ahead. Uh, carry on. Chris, so what, what did you think about Russell Westbrook tonight? I know he was a source of frustration for you last season, but did you feel like he was... He wasn't. I don't feel like he was horrible. He didn't stand out to me. I mean, there were a couple turnovers and stuff, but it wasn't like tonight wasn't a night where I was like, uh, you know, dreading Westbrook having the ball. I thought actually for Westbrook, he played, it felt like he played within the team more than he has uh, previously. And uh, 
Again, this is just one game, and I'm pretty sure we're going to see the Westbrook we're all dreading uh, come soon enough. But um, tonight, it wasn't a sore spot for the team, or at least for me personally, it was more just the team overall. Um, and actually, that feels good because I really – I go into these games dreading that I'm going to come out of it and I'm just going to want to – like it's all going to be, you know, towards Westbrook. When it, Again, it shouldn't, but like, man, just – again, some of the plays he makes sometimes just drive me insane. It's just – the basketball IQ thing, I just, I can't get over it. He had some, not, some silly mistakes, we, right? We yeah, gotta go hear ahead, Sean. Sean. I, I, I gotta hear. Go ahead, Sean. I gotta hear the comment behind that face from Sean. No, no, no. I was laughing at uh, Chris say that it, I wasn't dreading Russell Westbrook. Oh. It's like, geez. <laughs> but no, Which, like, like, the crazy part is he's completely right. He's like, right. This was, yeah, this he's was right. a night where like Russ got the ball, and I was like, cool, man. Let's see what you got. Like, and he, I would say like. Eight times out of ten, he did something pretty decent. Like there was the one play where he had the lane to the bucket um, on an offensive rebound, and then instead chose to drive uh, out to the three point line, turn around, huck up a three, and airball it. Like that was the one. That was the one. Like oh, that was bad, Russ. But outside of that play, I thought he was solid. I thought he played like a pretty good. Agreed. To add on to that, like how do you not know when you're out of bounds? Like this is a, a, probably the third straight game where he stepped yeah. out of bounds. These guys all do it every game, though. Like, I, I say the same thing, but they all do it. Like, if Westbrook's been playing how long now? Like, geez. I do want to say also, there was in that comment, there was the Darvin Ham thing. That's what um, I was more so like. Yeah, I, I figured that's what you were mad about. The only thing, I thought Darvin Ham coached a pretty fine game. I thought the defensive schemes were, were good for the most part until the Warriors just started going, you know, insane mode from three. Um, I thought it was pretty good. The one thing, and again, it's the first game, so he's still experimenting a little bit. Maybe a little too much, Matt Ryan. Like, yeah, maybe, he's, oh, he's yeah. desperate for shooting. But yes, I think fifteen <laughs> minutes. <laughs> maybe a little too much, Matt Ryan. And I think, oh, eight, eighteen minutes for Matt Ryan tonight. Yeah, that's, like a, that's, that's a lot of Matt Ryan. So glad you said on. that. <laughs> yes. Like, other than that, I thought Darvin Ham coached a fine game, and I get why he played Matt Ryan eighteen minutes. I just. That's going to be one of those things we probably look at in a couple months. We're like, wow, that was a lot of Matt Ryan on game one. Like, I, it reminds me of um, the first game of the championship season. I think Jared Dudley got like 24 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of Jared Dudley. <laughs> he looked uh, a Matt, little out of place, too. He, points. He, he, yeah, just just a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, but again, great story for Matt Ryan. I just think he needs to be oh, used yeah. a bit more sparingly. Yeah. But that, part of that, too, is – Dennis Schroeder's hurt. Troy Brown Jr. is hurt. Thomas Bryant is hurt, right? So you're you're lacking a little bit of depth there. But still, I think they're just desperate to find somebody who can space the floor for them. Uh, Maddie James said, I mean, what do you expect when you're going up against a team that still has pretty much the same team? The Lakers have all new players. That was the point I had made going in, that, look, the, the Warriors have consistency year to year. The Lakers now, two years in a row, have completely changed out everybody on their roster just about. They're going to do it again next summer because it's all expiring contracts. And the NBA right now is a league that rewards consistency, both in terms of how the CBA is set up and the chemistry on the court that's required to execute at this level. So that stuff is to be expected. You would expect the Warriors to execute at a higher level than a Lakers team that, I mean, the starting five played maybe a total of five minutes or so together on a court in an actual game before tonight. Like you would expect there to be a little bit of clunkiness there. Mm -hmm. To Ron's point earlier, when you talking about the, Warriors are a well-oiled machine. The Warriors looked like the, a team that had played together for eight years with the same coaching staff and the same core guys. And the Lakers look like a team that 
you know, have five returning players and a new coaching staff. Yeah. That's what eat they look like. Warriors uh, putting out a whole lineup of players making a hundred million dollars on they their did. contract. So like they're just out they're here doing different money. things than we're doing. That's that's right. Um Young West says why sign Ouch. two centers not to play them. Thoughts, you know, Damian Jones getting no Wendy and Gabriel apparently in the rotation ahead of Damian Jones. Um what are we thinking about about that? Damian Jones gets a DNP coach's decision, the only player on the active roster to get that designation. Uh, I'll, I'll just throw that one out there. How are we feeling about that, guys? I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Damian actually in a while, I don't think. I think for this particular matchup, I kind of get it, um, especially with how you're going to be playing defensively. It kind of makes sense. Like, you want to be a little bit more switchy. You want to have some more versatility on the floor. Oh, Damien is like really, really good with some mobile ball screen coverages, but they're playing so much drop, so it doesn't make sense. So for tonight, sure, it makes sense. You can switch a little bit more, but um, I think going forward, hopefully Damien will be featured a lot more. Sean, why don't you take this one? Matty James said he was frustrating seeing so much standing around on offense, barely any movement or action happening, which let the defense set up. You've you've done a lot of work this offseason on Darvin Ham and ideally what he's going to be trying to do offensively. What did you see there? Was the stagnation a surprise to you? And is that something that you see being a consistent thing? Or, or what are your thoughts there? I mean, I thought the stagnation was prevalent in the first eight to ten minutes of the game. But like from the first quarter on, I feel like they were – the ball was moving a lot better. They were going through their motion offense. Uh, Darvin Ham is out of timeout sets were incredible. They were a joy to watch. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, first 10 minutes for sure. It was definitely frustrating seeing no ball movement. But um, from the first quarter on, it was it was fine. Like, just pretty much what I expected from the first quarter on. Again, being a new team, that's something that, that matters here as well. Uh, Esham976 said, other than LBJ and AD, there was little to nothing. None flashed a little. But that's more. Please bring AD inside off the three-point line. Uh, Chris, tonight, Anthony Davis uh, was 0 of 3 from 3. 10 of 22 shooting overall, 27 points, 4 steals, 2 blocks, 6 boards. Should the three-point shot continue to be part of his arsenal? Well, I think he's trying to get a stroke back, probably. And we, we know that he talked about his wrist injury from last season. And I think Braun... You even made the point at one point talking about how he had bulked up, I think, and how that might have thrown his shot off. So I just, I think he's just trying to get a rhythm back. And so he's got to take him. But um, I can't disagree with that person. I would still like to see just AD do more damage from within side just because he's so skilled. And also because, I mean, we just haven't seen the three go down in so long that, like, I've come to believe that it's not, not going to go in for him, at least until he does start making him. Uh, more consistently and I really hope it was just his wrist or maybe the fact that he had put on the weight or whichever it was uh, and that he does get back to his uh, you know original AD form that we're used to from the bubble yeah that's that's the AD that certainly the Lakers are looking for uh, Ron to to respond to that and and we got this comment too about AD he refuses to take the keys and drive stats don't say at all uh, do you agree with that I mean, he was in the first half, he was he was phenomenal. I mean, he looked like Anthony Davis. And I think in the second half, I don't know if it's just that the game got away from everyone. And so he just kind of took his foot off the gas pedal. But look, I think 
Anthony Davis, this has kind of been the narrative around him besides the injuries is that like, he doesn't take the keys. Like he, he's not the guy you hand the reins to like, he's not that dude. And I think he's shown enough times that like he can be. Um, but I think this is his first game. It's the first game of the season. He's had two straight years of injuries. Now I, I think I want to give him the opportunity to like ease himself back into NBA basketball. Um, and I think he showed in the first half, like, don't worry, I still can do these things. But I, I mean, it's not going to be 36 minutes a night of AD dominating right away. It's just, he's not ready for that yet. It's been a long time since he's played basketball, not injured. So I, you know, Ironically, the biggest moment of his career, the three-point shot at the buzzer against the Denver Nuggets, he hits it, he yells Kobe, and then runs around the floor screaming, I'm that guy. And here we're, we're saying he's he's not that he's not that he, dude, he, and he hasn't he been is, that guy. Like, he showed us he is that dude if he's healthy. Like, he really is that dude. <laughs> can, I, can I say one thing about AD? Uh, I just got to say that, and I'm hoping I'm wrong on this, but and I don't know how you guys feel, but... I already feel like I'm out on the prospect of AD staying healthy for a full season. Like I'm, I just feel like it's never going to happen. And that's why, I mean, like I'm down with us having him still and hoping, hoping and praying maybe this year that it works out. But I honestly think, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to think of, you know, a future without AD just because I just don't think he can stay healthy. And I don't think honestly, he ever will be able to for a full season and or it i mean best case scenario we're going to be having heart attacks every other game watching him crash to the floor which we basically already endured for the last that, that happened years. a few times tonight where i was i was holding yes. my breath he hit the floor and i went oh no that one time when he hit the I mean, stanchion oh yep that was scary but do you i mean do you, do you guys are you guys in disagreement with me i mean do you guys honestly think at this point based off what we've seen that AD can stay healthy for us to really us to be able to depend on him season, you know, not just this season, next season, season thereafter, and, you know, 82 games, playoffs. I mean, I just, I'm out on that idea and I'm hoping he proves me wrong this season. Sean, you want to take that one? I was going to let the resident pessimist take that one. (laughs) (laughs) We need the optimist is what we need. At this point, like, how many superstars are really 82 game per year guys? Not many. Fair. Not, not many. I think AD is not an 82 game player. He's probably like, I think best case scenario, we should be hoping that he's like a 65 game player. And I think that has to, I think the way to do that is to, I mean, load manage. I think AD should get a, a, a decent amount of games off just, just to maintain himself. And I think if you can get 60 to 65 games out of him and then he's healthy for the playoffs, I'm like, that's best. That's best case scenario. That's great to me. Yeah. I think you got to be happy if you can get that out of Anthony Davis. Uh, Mama mentality says last year team deflated on the third in the third quarter, I would assume because of age, there's no excuse this year. Team needs to find ways to pick it up when in a slump. I don't blame him. He will learn to pause runs like the Warriors had in the third and refresh the team. I mean, that's a bit optimistic that Ham will figure out ways to stop runs like that from happening, but that ultimately this team, the young legs, should be the differentiator between last season. We shouldn't be seeing the same stuff as last season because this is a very different team, even though it's still built around LeBron, Russ, and AD. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, let's, let's get into one of our awards here. And... Let's go. I, I don't think we need to do the superstar. Then I think LeBron just blew everybody out of the water with the stats and, and all that that he put up. But let's do this the the star in your role award. Let's get to that. Star in your role. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys who was it that's not LeBron, not Russ, not Anthony Davis. Who was the best player for the Lakers? And I'll start with Sean. Kendrick Nunn? Question mark. Like Rod's face tells it all. Like I, I'm struggling. Right. That's <laughs> it. that's that's the challenge. That's why it's I wanted to get to this. Game for the Nunn. Like, I mean, when when the ball was in Nunn's hands, I thought he made some pretty decent plays. He knocked down a couple of threes. Um, but like, yeah, like who else? Who else would it be? Um, so yeah, Kendrick Nunn, I guess. Wrong. Any, any thoughts? Who else would it be? Is it Kendrick Nunn by default? Uh. Yeah, I mean, he was the only one in double figures. Um, he was the only one that made more than two field goals. Um, he was the only, like he was the only one with more than like I don't know. Lonnie Walker had five assists. That's kind of cool. Uh, but no, I, mean, I think it's Kendrick Nunn. Um, if I have to pick someone, this was like an a particularly bad game for the non big three. Um, like they were everyone was pretty bad. So I think Kendrick Nunn by default wins it. I think he went five for nine from the field. Uh, that's efficient. Uh, three threes is great. Solid. Way to be optimistic, Rod. That's <laughs> I, tried. That's I really, really tried. That was like, I put full effort into that. <laughs> Chris, well, you, I'm looking at the box score. Yeah, the 13 points pretty much. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the box score, and the only thing that stands out outside of LeBron and AD as far as these stats is those 13 points uh, offensively from none. So uh, it is, it's pretty sad, and it was a tough one, but I guess by default, I guess none here. This was a this was LeBron and AD, and, and Russ chipped in, and there wasn't a lot else on, on the team. Uh, this no. comment says, considering how badly we shot the ball and how the Warriors couldn't miss – that wasn't the case for the first half. Uh, I don't think this game was as bad as all these reactions are making it out to be. I mean, I do think like, obviously this is a poor three point shooting team, but if they, let's say they did shoot league average from three, this is we're we're describing a very different game here. And realistically, you're talking about what more makes like you were saying, Ron. So that's, that's true. But yes, Sean, Sean's on time. <laughs> no, not you. Did you see what Russ just said? 
No. 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 Tell us. We're on this. I'm not on Twitter. Enlighten us. us. I'm sorry, Russ, but this is like legitimately the stupidest thing you've ever said. Russell Westbrook said he absolutely believes that coming off the bench against Sacramento contributed to him tweaking his hamstring in that game. No. I've, I've been doing the same things for 14 years straight. Honestly, I didn't even know what to do pregame. Russ, get, oh, no. get out of here, dude. You gave my master lock just for that. This, feel, okay. this feels very Westbrook. I ah. do it. Okay. <laughs> that, that feels I'm, very Westbrook, though. I'm I'm gonna say this, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna need a judgment-free zone here for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, go wrong. There is something to be said about being like forced into a role that you've never played before, sure. and what that does to your pregame routine. Like, if the only thing I could compare it to is like when a starter moves to the bullpen for the playoffs, like that messes with their routine. And oftentimes can lead to like, I wouldn't say injuries, but like can lead to poorer performance because mm-hmm. it's it takes them out of their pregame routine, and it takes them out of like what they prepared. Now I'm not sure that a preseason game against the Sacramento Kings is like the best example of that for us. Like if they had done that in a playoff game, then maybe. Um, but like I, there is something to be said about like your pregame routine being changed does affect right. your performance yeah. and your endurance. Sure. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But he should have just probably not said it out loud. And I, think yeah. I mean, yeah. He could have okay. just, just thought it. And then here's, here's, the, here's the problem with this. This is, is the problem. You've got a lot of people running around saying he faked the hamstring injury. Right? <laughs> I don't, and I don't, I don't buy it. I don't it's buy it. I've said, I don't, belie- I don't believe he would do that. But those people are going to grab onto this and go, see, see, he's blaming coming off the bench, blaming the hamstring injury on coming off the bench. That was his way of saying, I don't want to come off the bench. So you better start me or I'm going to have a hamstring injury. Something like that's going to happen. And now he's kind of re because that was already out there. People were already saying that. And now he's kind of reinforcing that by saying that, yes, this coming off the bench is really what, what injured my, my hamstring or hinting at that anyway. He didn't sit on the bench that long. He was, I believe he was the first sub. He came in like four minutes into the first quarter. I, I don't think that it had, look, is it different? Yes, it's different, but I think it's a, it's a stretch. And my fear, as much as I'd like to just dismiss and go, whatever, it's just Russ, is that people are going to take this and run with it and use this as evidence that the hamstring injury was a fake. And to, to Ron's point really, really quickly, like, could you have said, hey, I was rusty because, you know, my, I'm out of my rhythm. That I'm, you know, I'm used to doing this this, uh, this thing a certain way for 14 years. Sure, I was a little bit out of my rhythm. Cool. But for, ain't no way anybody should buy. Dude, tweak this hamstring because he sat for four minutes on the bench. Get out yeah, of like, here. Okay, so, yeah, I think, I think the better thing is if he had come in and, like, missed his first four shots, he could have right. been like, Absolutely. Yeah, I needed a minute because I'm I'm not used to that. Um, like that would have been completely fair, understandable. To blame a tweaked hamstring on that—that's sh- like that makes me feel like you didn't prepare correctly for the game. Not like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, again, I'm already seeing the response on Twitter. People are already running around saying that's see it, it was it was all just him not wanting to come off the bench, and that that's what's happening here. But 
I mean, but he's playing for his future. So, I mean, if he fakes a hamstring injury, it's going to hurt him in the end, right? Because exactly. Has, I mean, yeah. he's playing. Yeah, like, okay. Go ahead, Drew. No, I was just going to say, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that he really faked a hamstring injury. No, no, no. I don't know. I can see why people are arguing it. You know what I mean? It is a fun thing to debate, but when you think about it in the end, I think he's got too much on the line to, and they, I don't think that's. I don't know. I just don't feel like that's in his character. I hope it's not. But then again, I don't know. When he says stuff like this uh, to the press, you know, like he's going to end up getting sent home eventually, in my view, anyway. I mean, he he clearly doesn't want to come off the bench, right? And that's fine. That's understandable, right? Everybody wants to start. That That's, that's just part of being a competitor. But like this, it's kind of, I feel like he's kind of driving it home. Like, hey, yeah, this is probably what happened with my hamstring. So, but again, I, I almost feel like I need to hear the clip. You know what I mean? Like I need to hear him actually saying this. So I can tell like how serious was he when he was saying this and, you know, that sort of thing. But his Um, running his own unit off the bench. just makes so much sense too. Anyway, I don't understand like why, you know what I mean? Like him with LeBron and AD just doesn't. hmm. on, On paper, it makes more sense for sure. Uh, Vector Nova, Golden State really just won a championship and have a team that could be a playoff team for the next decade while we're looking at a rebuild and we can't even tank this year. I'm laughing, fellas. I mean, I hope you're laughing just to keep from crying. But, um, but I mean, like that's, that's Ron, we talk about roster construction all the time. That, that's the downside of what the Lakers have done here in terms of their roster build. And you already got into it when you were talking about um, you know, the choices that they made and blowing up their, you know, the championship team. And then I, I went on my Arby's tangent and all that. I feel like we we're kind of circling back into, into all of that. Yeah. I, I'm also laughing because uh, Trevor, you and I both submitted uh, to the Lakers nation roundtable with our predictions for the season. Yeah. And I was writing it out. I like, wasn't even really thinking. I was just like going based on my gut reaction. Like, okay, who do I think is going to do this? And then I got to the section that we needed to put in a Lakers record prediction. And I realized I had not said the word Lakers in my entire thing. Because <laughs> there was nothing to predict for the Lakers. Like, what? which of those categories is a Laker going to win anything in? Like, I don't know. It was just, it's very funny to think about this team. Like, even though I have them, you know, as a slightly above 500 borderline playoff team. But I just like, I... I'm, we're talking about roster construction. Like, there was nowhere for me to put the Lakers in before the section where we had to give a Lakers prediction. Like, it's just it's not a great look. Yeah, they're they're not going to be a team that you're going to put as in the MVP race or anything like that this this season. Um, Carlos Ramirez said, "As a Laker fan, I got to say Russ played a decent game. I, yeah, I thought Russ was fine in this. Just shooting all around is going to be the problem. AD, Braun, Russ looked okay together. Sean, I said this on our live stream." Uh, of the game, I said Russ was fine. The problem is that the things that Russ was fine at aren't things that the Lakers desperately need. So even though he was he was okay, and look, and again, no, I'm not blaming Russ for this this night. That's not the thing. He was he was just fine tonight. No problem, right? Had some some loud turnovers and all that, but whatever. Um, but the things that he does well aren't the things that the team needs a player who's making the kind of money that he is in the role that he's in to do well. I mean, is that, is that accurate? I think right now the Lakers are in need 
of a guard that can really just get it and go in transition with reckless abandon. And you saw it on a few different possessions. Yeah, it's Russ, and Russ did that a few separate times tonight, just grab off the rebound and go with advantage with numbers. Lonnie could do it too, but Lonnie's like a little too reckless. Um, but, yeah, Russ was just fine tonight. Sorry, I'm clearly still very irritated by that quote. So, yeah, I was sure what's wrong on that one. Uh, Sean Tate throws in that LeBron had 30, and we were down by 20, playing at best. I'm not going to try to make projections based off of just one night. Let's get like 10 games into the season and then go from there. But uh, Maddie James said the first half seemed like the Lakers couldn't get a call. LeBron was slapped a few times going to the rim, no call. Curry gets a call on reverse layup and a shoulder tap from Austin Reeves. I thought the referees were, were not good tonight. This was a, a poorly officiated game, but I also don't think the referees were why the Lakers lost this game. I mean, it's game one for them too, you know? True. Like, the Lakers, if, if we're saying that the Lakers are allowed to look rusty, I think <clears> the refs are also allowed to look rusty. It's their first time seeing, like, full game speed in, in you know, six, five months or whatever it is. So, you know, that's fine. Uh, Senpai NFT says, call up Detroit, Indiana, Charlotte, San Antonio. This isn't an overreaction. It's just confirmation of what already should have been done and should be done. So I want to use this comment to bring up a, uh, a tweet from Tony Jones from The Athletic who said, through this out, he was responding to people here, and he said that the Lakers and Jazz discussed a deal that would have involved both first-round picks and Russell Westbrook going from the Lakers to Utah for uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, Rudy Gay, and a 23 first-rounder. Yuck. Ugly. Here's the problem. Ron, what are you assuming that 23 first-rounder is? Not Utah's. <laughs> that's 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 what I'm saying. And that's the problem. Is I think people are going to read that and they're going to go, What? What we could have got Utah's twenty twenty. We could have maybe had Wembayama. Like people are going to look that at that and assume it was Utah's. There's no way they would have included no. their own first round. It's just that was, interesting that they would have had a first that coming was back. Probably like no that was probably going to be the pick they got from Minnesota for Gobert. Like or the pick they got from Brooklyn for Royce O'Neal. Like yeah, like that. That's not going to be a top 10, 15, even twenty pick. Like that's going to be a bad pick. Those players like. Boyan Bogdanovich got traded for Kelly Olynyk and Saban <laughs> Lee. Where, like, where is Saban Lee now? I don't even know. I want to say like Phoenix or something. Like he he already know. got waived by Utah. Yeah, like that dude didn't last a single game on the Utah roster. That's what Boyan Bogdanovich's value was, and they were trying to get two firsts from the Lakers. Like no, I like we can talk about the Buddy Heald Miles Turner trade. I don't think that one's worth it, but like. The Utah one was always like the hardest of no's for me. Yeah, agreed. And, and again, my fear is that people will say, oh, a first round pick from the Jazz. That's not what it would have been. Um, why didn't Damian play? Palinka's roster sucks. I, I I don't know. I'm curious to see what Darvin Ham says after the game about why Damian Jones didn't play. When we heard Thomas Bryant was out with a thumb injury, now he's going to, you know, surgery and he's out for three weeks till he's reevaluated. Um, I thought for sure Damian Jones would get minutes. Um, did not happen. Lakers played smaller. More often than not, uh, Mike E, Chris, what do you think? I, I'm starting to see the sentiment going around from Lakers fans saying, "Isn't it time for the Bus family to sell the team?" Like, is that is that where we're at? I don't think it's going to happen, but is that where no, we're at? I, I, can't, I just can't. I can't say that. 
I mean, they, you know, there's just so much history with the Buzz family in Los Angeles. It would be hard. I don't know. I just can't, I can't take it there. I don't know about you guys, but I just, I can't. I, and I like, and I like Jeannie actually. I, I may, I think she might sometimes be a little, her decisions might be a little clouded by again, the whole Laker family thing and all that and not taking outside hires. But um, I don't know. I just, I still, I like Jeannie and I have faith in her and uh, I don't know you guys. I don't think Jeannie needs to sell the team. I think somebody, whether it's her brothers or what, somebody needs to convince Jeannie, like change the people that she trusts and who she takes advice on roster decisions from. Like, get rid of the rabbi, like, Rob Polinka, see the Dory way out, love you. And, like, just Jeannie's fine. Jeannie's not the problem. It's who she trusts with roster decision making and things like that. That's the problem. Jeannie's not the problem. I'm sure know? Ron will definitely agree with that. <laughs> what how do we know? I, how do we know? Right? I mean, Ron, that's that's my point. Like, Jeannie's supposed to make final decisions on everything. Rob is putting things together, but we we still have a very cloudy view of who really does what, right? And that's part of why people are interested in this. So, how do we know that it's Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis making the bad decisions, or it's Magic, or it's Phil, or or it's it's whoever? obviously decisions are being made and it doesn't feel like there's an overall cohesive plan right now. And all all this, like things are not, things haven't gone well, but how do we know where to put the blame for that? I I don't know if there's one place you can put the blame. Uh, Like we saw reports in the last like month or so that, that Jesse and Joey bus were starting to get a little more sway within the organization. Mm -hmm. And like, we know that's a good thing because, for all the other things, we can say with certainty that Lakers scouting has been the, you know, the class of the NBA among the elite. So we know that. So them getting more sway is good. I think the reason we assume, you know, that the people Jeannie has around her, like they're the problem. I think the reason we assume that is because every time a story comes out, it's, well, Kurt Rambis went to the Lakers practice and said this, or Jeannie called Phil Jackson and Phil Jackson said this. And it was like, okay, like that, that that's not great. Like that wasn't good advice right. by Phil Jackson. That was Kurt Rambis should not have done that. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't look, the bus family's not selling the team. This is, this is a bus team and it will probably forever be a bus team. Um, and I think if Jesse and Joey bus who have proven themselves to be really good at what they do, if they can find a way to get more sway and, and convince whoever within that organization, just like, hey, let's try a different way of running things. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the best chance. But again, it's all speculation, like you said. Um, I just know that Laker scouting is great, and they have been in charge of Laker scouting. So, yeah. Yep, that, that's, that is true. That's correct. And that's, and that's why they have such a positive air around them or, or perception uh, among Lakers fans. Um, I do want to get into this. this based off this game, and, I, and this is one game, what do you think our record will be for the first 10 games? Me, so I'm going to, I want to come to each of you guys individually. And I just want to tell, want you to tell me how many wins in the first 10 games. These are the first 10 games, just so you guys are all fresh on this. So they just played the Warriors. Next up, the Clippers, the Blazers, the Nuggets, Wolves, Nuggets again, uh, Pelicans, and Jazz, then Cavs, and then Jazz again. So... 
Again, got so you've got it. Utah I'll, twice in there. Go ahead, Chris. I'm gonna say I'm gonna, I'm gonna say three for ten. You know, okay. three wins out of the whole thing. I mean, and I don't know. I just I already knew they were having a really rough start. The first five games were all lead teams, so I I've known known that this is gonna be a a rough start for us here. Like it's gonna be a, more of a therapeutic show again, Trevor. For us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Group therapy for, for Lakers Nation. <laughs> we all come Ron, together, we talk. Yep. We'll, we'll we'll talk through it and hopefully we'll feel a little bit better by the end. In fact, the next segment is gonna make us all feel a little bit better. Um, Ron, what what are you at? How many wins? Yeah, I'm just looking at the schedule now. I'm trying to I'm trying to piece this together. Um okay, I I'm gonna say uh three and seven like chris um maybe four and six uh i think the jazz both of those games could be wins i think the Cavs could be a win um i think like surprising i think the timberwolves could be a win um just because the lakers love playing rudy gobert so i think i think that could be a win so like four i'll, I'll you know what i'll change it four and six okay Four and six, so a bit more optimistic. Sean? Uh, my range originally, like before the season started, was anywhere between four and six and six and four. No, give me like five and five, right in the middle. Okay. Um, like Utah twice, Minnesota. I don't think Denver beats us twice. So that's one. And then, did I already say Minnesota? I think I did. And so then- I, I'm the least optimistic out of the bunch of us. Although Trevor, <laughs> we haven't heard you. Trevor, I, we haven't heard. What's your prediction? I'm bouncing between three and four right now. I'll join you with three, Chris. That way, you know what? If you if you. you expect to be disappointed, you can never be disappointed, right? So I'm going to say three. That way, I can be pleasantly surprised if they're. Ron, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I think the Nuggets can and will win twice. <laughs> oh yeah, you're saying That's there's no I way the Nuggets win twice. I think not. No way, but I don't think they will. I think they they definitely can. They can. They're, they're going to be five and here. five though. Oof. That'd be great. All right, guys, let's get into our most therapeutic segment of the night. That is, of course, the Master Lock of the Night. Master Lock of the Night. Chris, this is your segment coming to you first. Who is getting put in your finishing hold, the Master Lock, from this game? I'm going to go with the obvious pick, and I think everybody will probably agree with this for the most part, unless there's something that eludes me. Uh, I think it's the Lakers' three-point shooting, obviously. Slash, I guess you could say, roster construction. So I would master lock all, all of that, and I think I would continue to master lock that probably every game going forward for a while until Russell Westbrook earns one, of course. It'll be between Russell Westbrook and the three-point shooting. I it's was like going to say, master if, we're, if we're master locking roster construction, this is going to be a long year. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have that thing locked in for, for quite a while here. Uh, oh, Ron, yeah. who's getting who's getting your master lock? Uh, you know, I'll pick an individual player um, because Chris Ooh. went more broad. Right. I'll pick an individual player. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Patrick Beverly. Um, because if I have to watch that man take a step back three off the dribble one more time, <laughs> I'm gonna lose my mind. So I'm gonna That's right. I'm you did do that. Really. That is a, that is a good That's one. Good. A very very fair, very fair. Uh, Sean, your master lock. Uh, if you had asked who like before the live show had started, I probably would have said the shooting. The referees were very very. 
the referees are very annoying. But man, that quote is like very much bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the guys do bro. The, the, the Westbrook still got it. The yes. Westbrook still got one. Russ. Blaming the hamstring on sitting on the bench. Even when he had a good game for he, Westbrook, right, he, he got a master lock. <laughs> he just canceled it out and got a master lock. Unbelievable. Oh, man. Think, well, remember, on it. Russ, Russ has proven he can get a master lock on just about any night of the year. So, I mean, <laughs> this is not my, surprising. Sure. Mine is going to go to everyone else not named LeBron, Anthony Davis, or Russell Westbrook. So I'm, I'm sparing Russ here in this. I'm going to forgive the quote. There you go. That's it's good. all the other guys. Nobody. We talked about in our pregame how at least a couple of guys were going to have to step up and have some solid performances, and it felt like nobody did. There wasn't anybody who really stood out, and we saw that we did uh, our, our next man up. Nobody really stepped up in this game. So I, I think all of the other guys that are supposed to be the support system for LeBron and for Anthony Davis and, and, and for Russ, none of those guys really turned up in this one. And so I'm going to go with everybody else on the roster. That That's a lot of master locks, but they need it. They need to be shaken loose and, and woken up a bit before next outing against the Clippers, because they're going to need those guys to step up for that one. I think Chris will manage putting, you know, the entire roster in a master lock. I think he'll be just fine. We can forgive Damian <laughs> Jones, I suppose, because he didn't even play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll spare him. But I, I like what we all came up with here. I think we got all the master locks for tonight covered. I don't think we left anybody out. I think it's it, it's unfortunate that first game of the season and all the master locks went to the Lakers. The the whole point of the master lock was to oh, go to gosh. whatever was 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 you know, to whatever was annoying us. Like it was always we're master locking Jay Crowder or master locking, you know, whatever. And a player, Kyrie, somebody on, on another team, Pat Bev got master locked a bunch. You can throw the refs in there. He's getting master locked. The refs. That is not changing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He's He's still going to get master locked. He's still getting, now that he's on, he's still catching stray master locks on then, even though he's in purple and gold now. But that I think it just goes to show how this night went. Yeah, good point, Trevor. Yeah, it's not going good back. when we're dishing it all out to our side. Going back really, really quickly to like what Matt was saying on the live stream, because Chris made a funny point there. Like, uh, Russ had a good game, and it, and he's still getting master locked. Matt said on the show, it's like, it's always one step forward, two steps back with Russ. Like, <laughs> Russ, just take your win for the night. You played well. Don't say nothing like the end post game, dude. Oh, yeah. Russ, Russ is the guy at the blackjack table that gets up, but then keeps gambling and never cashes out. Going. Take your win and go home. Uh, all right. Let me get into a few more super chats, guys. We will not be able to get to every single super chat tonight. Otherwise, and by the way, we'd love you guys. Thank you guys so much for all of them that have come in. But I will save them all and I will put whatever ones we don't get to on tomorrow's show, on tomorrow's podcast. So again, if you submitted a super chat, we will get to it. We just won't be able to get to all of them um, this evening. We'll get to more. On, uh, on tomorrow's show, though, I will save uh, all of these to so make sure that um, that we get through them. But let me get into uh, this one here. Uh, Russ, Braun, AD, and Nunn had 90 points combined. Rest of the Lakers team had 19 points combined. Oh, yeah. That, that sounds that sounds fake. Doesn't like that yeah. sounds made up. No Thomas Bryant goes- hurt us in terms of rebounding. But Thomas Bryant is not hurt with the rebound, and Thomas Bryant's not a good rebounder. Let's calm down. That feeds right into your master lock, though, Trevor, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. The other guys just didn't really 
didn't really get it done. Uh, Mikey Westbrook isn't a nightmare if he's getting paid 15 to 18 million, but at 47 million, there's too much opportunity cost there. Yeah. That's really what it is with Russ, right? I mean, Ron, it's if, if Russ was making, I don't even, I 15 million maybe, but if Russ was making a third of what he's making, building out a competent roster becomes much easier, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he's on a 12, $15 million contract or the, the big mid-level exception, the full mid-level exception at around 11 million, I think building out this roster becomes a lot easier. They would have been in contention for guys like, for guys that we really wanted on this team, the three and D wings, you know, the Bruce Browns, Otto Porter juniors of the world. Um, you know, they would have been able to make trades that didn't require so much like uh, heavy lifting on salary matching. I think this would have been a lot easier, but you know, makes 47 million. So. <laughs> By the way, we've got a, uh, a Russell Westbrook stand that jumps into our, our show every once in a while said he barely got any usage and still gave 19 and 11 and 58%. Uh, again, we said Russ was just fine uh, tonight. Didn't have a, you know, some of the turnovers were a bit costly, but you know, he definitely wasn't the reason why they lost this game. By the way, quick check-in. Um, Russ is shooting currently on the season 33% from three now. He's one for three tonight. I did agree because there was some optimism that Russ was only going to shoot corner threes and that was going to raise his three-point percentage. And I said that if Russ shoots better than 38% from three after the first 10 games, I would buy a Russell Westbrook jersey and wear it here on the show. Currently, I am in the clear. He's at 33%, but we will keep track of this as we we go through. Just to compare, if you take out uh, Curry, Clay, Wiggins, and Poole, the rest of the Warriors scored 38 points compared to the Lakers 19. So like double the production from their others. That Curry, yeah. Clay, Wiggins, and Poole. I mean, who is that leave? I mean, that that's just everybody chipping in. DiVincenzo it's, at eight points. Wiseman at eight right. points. Jermichael Green had eight points. Like that's a lot of other guys chipping in there. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Really quickly, um, you know, why didn't the last super chat, you know, put back in a couple of key stats that were left out? I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm just curious, you know. What are, just, what are the key stats? You're talking about the, the pro Westbrook one? Yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm just asking for a friend, you know, maybe like the turnovers or <laughs> uh, the stepped out of bound turnovers, you know, just stuff like that. You know, just asking for a friend. It's a point. It's a point. Um, this Super Chat says, give the team 40 games with a full roster and notice when Pat Bev 
stops getting calls for fouls, the game changed with his defense. But yeah, that's true. When a guys get called for fouls, their defense has to has to change. But here's here's what I want to get into from this though. I, I don't know if you can give this team 40 games. If you give this team 40 games, that might be it in this Western Conference. You may not be able to like if you decide 40 games and then we'll see where we're at and we'll try to make a trade, it might be too late to get something done, right? I mean, Chris, what what do you how long do you think they can realistically wait? if they're going to make a, a move. I mean, I don't know. I mean, are they not? There are times tonight, and I hope this isn't what this season is going to be, where we're just watching LeBron accumulate points. You know what I mean? Like, are we yeah. seriously in contention? Are we punting on this season? Because I've heard that talked about. And the only real problem with that is, they, is we don't know how many years LeBron has left. So to punt on any of these years is just completely – I mean, that's – the reason, if anything, for Rob Plink to get fired is wasting. We don't know how many years LeBron has left, and you're putting these kind of rosters around him. It's uh, a crime. It's criminal. But um, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I just, I hope that, yeah, I don't think you can wait long if we're actually going to be, you know, when you look at the West, we're going to be out of contention very quick if you wait too long. But, um, you know, again, I question how serious are we even in contention this year? Because, I mean, when you look at this roster construction, I just – who could be thinking that we're going to go on a serious run this year at this point? Like, maybe – is there a move that can be made to improve it? I don't know. Is it AD going to be superhuman and LeBron going to be – like, it's just – it's hard for me to think of us – it's hard for me to take this season serious at this point. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch every game. But to be optimistic to think we're going to get a ring or anything like that, like, I just – I don't see it. That's that's kind of that's that's what they have to look at here, right? Is number one, is there a move that can improve them enough to make it worthwhile? And is there enough time left in the season for them to really do something? Like if you if you wait too long, because the, the gamble they're taking is that hopefully this group can keep their head above water long enough for something better than what they saw over the summer to come along. And then they can make a trade and off they go, and that one carries them. But it's such a fine line. Because you need this team to have enough success to keep your head above water. And that's a, a big question mark. We don't know if that's if that's going to happen. And how long do you realistically wait? Because you don't know if something better is going to come along. That's the risk the Lakers are taking. And so trying to thread that needle, that's going to be really difficult. And Ron, from a front office perspective, that that's a big task for, for Rob Palenka to time this right while getting the right kind of value. No, I mean, it's it's an impossible task. Uh, I think if you are going into this season with the mindset of, like, if if that's what Rob, and I don't know what Rob Palinka's mindset is, but if the mindset within the Lakers front office is, let's keep our heads afloat until a better trade comes along, you are accepting that you're punting on the season. Like, that's, that's what you're accepting. Um, and honestly, like, there's there's a part of me that says that that's not a terrible idea. I mean, of course... Punting a LeBron season is is always a bad idea, but if you're talking about the future of the team, I think the best thing for the future of the Los Angeles Lakers is is essentially to punt the year. Um, unless, again, of course, if something comes up, then something comes up. But I, I do think that if you're waiting for that to happen, it's going to be too little, too late, most likely. It's just such a it's, it's an impossible line to tell. It's going to be really, really difficult for them to for them to pull this off. And, and again, this will be the real test for Rob Plank. I think the biggest test that we've seen for him so far. 
Uh, JJ Ramirez, at one point, Russ had played 21 minutes, AD 26, LeBron 25, Pat nine minutes. Uh, this was right at the 10-minute mark of the third. Well, Pat Bev was in foul trouble, though. Russ was a minus 21, AD minus 16, LeBron minus 11. I'm not an analytic guy, but damn, even I can see Russ played too much. Sean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I know we've criticized Russ plenty here, but I don't look at the plus minus and say that's necessarily evidence that, that Russ was the problem here. At least that, that's me. Is that crazy, or, or do you think he's got a point here? No, I think that's crazy. And um, plus minus is not even really analytics, if we're being honest. Like that's it's such a bad stat. It's such a misleading stat. Like let's, Sean, let's do a little exercise to show the how misleading plus minus is. Who was the best player for the Lakers tonight? LeBron. No, all right, AD. Okay. Uh, who had the lowest plus minus? Meaning the worst. Uh... Yeah, the lowest, the the worst number. I bet. I saw this. Wasn't it LeBron or somebody? It's Anthony Davis. Uh, Anthony Davis. Minus 21. Uh, who, who do you think had the best plus minus tonight? Oh, I saw it. Would be, it it would be somebody that played a small, a short <laughs> okay. stint. Where they okay. Of people who well, played I, over 10 minutes. Of people who played Matt over Ryan? 10 minutes. Matt Ryan? Yes. He was a plus one. Woo! I was right. Matt, there was a win. positive and plus minus? He was a win. plus one. Wow. And that should tell you everything you need to know because I don't think anyone is looking at Matt Ryan and be like, wow, he played well tonight. Do I, do I win Austin Eckler? Is that what I win? <laughs> no, Sean, you don't get Austin Eckler for me. <laughs> Sean texted me. Sean texted me last night at what I believe to be 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which, Sean, sleep, my friend. Um, <laughs> he was on Spaces. He texts me at 3 a.m. being like, yo, is Austin Eckler available? And I'm like, no, Austin Eckler is not available. Uh, Ron here, Christian Rodriguez agrees with you, says I get chills every time Pat shoots a three. They, they yeah. haven't been pretty. They I mean, all look like awful. <laughs> I mean, that was being blind. But, but people forget he has the highest career three-point percentage of anyone on the Lakers roster. Oh my gosh, that's right. Oh, uh, so, so take that. Just those step back ones, though. You know what I mean? Like, gosh, Yo, that's that. If, if he's like, limited to just like catch and shoot, I'm cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'll yeah. take a pat back catch and shoot three any day. Step backs, exactly. Yeah. Zach Roberts, LA. Don't leave San Francisco until someone hits two threes in a row. When when do the Lakers get back? If that's we the have, goal? we have a game Thursday. We can't do that. <laughs> 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 All right, last one we're going to get to tonight. Could the Lakers benefit at the deadline from teams tanking for a shot at Victor Wembanyama, and could that help facilitate a better deal to move Russ? What are we What are we thinking? Is that is that how the trade market is going to play out? Where we're going to get teams? I I think the answer is yes, personally. But do we think we're going to get teams who are going to jettison talent as they try to bottom out and get Victor Wembanyama? Uh, Ron apparently did not like this question. Sean, I'll go to go to you. What do you what do you think? I think so. I think we look at teams like, for example, the Charlotte Hornets, who I really hope they just bottom out and just be bad, right? Like I think for a team like them, what's the incentive of you know keeping a Gordon Hayward on your roster or a Kelly Bray on your roster? You're like just gonna be bad. Like the, a team like the the Hornets, the Pacers, 
uh, some other teams even. Like, don't be the Wizards and pay a dude $250 million and give him a, a no-trade clause and, like, have to be a play-in team. Just go suck for a year. So, like, for Charlotte, maybe it is, hey, just giving up Gordon Hayward, giving up Kelly Oubre. Like, go suck and bottom out. Lamelo's out too now for a little while. So, like, there's no incentive to win basketball games this year. But here's here's sort of the depressing part of that that take. And, I, Sean, I agree with you. Like, maybe there is a team out there where, like, the depressing part of that take is what player on a team that is this close to tanking is going to help the Lakers win a championship? I don't know like, if Gordon Hayward with that haircut is going to help the Lakers. Gordon Hayward is not helping. Like Gordon Hayward. <laughs> Gordon, Gordon Hayward's not helping in general, but the ha- the uh, haircut is – it's it's concerning. That, like, so if you're waiting – if you're like I waiting seen to it. prey on a tanking team – um, like there's no real like what player on a tanking team is going to do that for the Lakers. You know what? Like I, I drew back to this the other day. By the way, Chris, I would highly encourage you look at it. It's really, really bad. Um, but like as far as even like <laughs> I'm assuming, um, like I don't think this person would be like so so bad with this current role. I think they're gonna have to give up a player or two, like a Josh Bridge Sariaka Pirtle. So, if a Spurs package were to come together, eh, I, I mean, know. look, I, I like Jakob Pertl as a player. I even like Josh Richardson. What What is Jakob Pertl like? What is he doing for the Lakers' success this season? And that, that's nothing against him as a player. That's a, what, like, what does a traditional back-to-the-basket center, even a very good one, what does he bring to the Los Angeles Lakers, like this team? Right. Nothing really. And Josh Richardson would be helpful if it's good, Josh Richardson, but like is this. that worth giving up picks for? Like, I don't know. He'll be he'll be overrated in a Lakers uniform. Yep. Chris, I got a, a super chat here that says you look like buff Jesus and that you need to save the Lakers. I don't know if he if he heard that while well, he's I think he froze. Maybe oh. he lost Chris. What's that? All right. Did you hear me, Chris? I said the the I super froze. chat said you look like Buff Jesus, and they that we need you to save the Lakers. Oh yeah, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Buff Jesus, I love it. But I, I was checking out um, I was checking out Gordon Hayward's haircut, and yeah, that's pretty uh, it's pretty awful. I don't know what he's thinking. Yes, yeah, I I think it lowers his trade value. <laughs> yeah, sure, it has to. <laughs> he used to have, uh, he used to have a pretty good haircut too. I don't know what he was thinking. He did. He decided to, to change it up a little bit. Decided no, to change no, it up. And... Trevor, that that's his barber like being incompetent at his job. <laughs> I don't know what type changing it up leads to that, but. Gordon I Hayward mean, had a had a championship a caliber hair, haircut, and he decided to uh, throw it all away in order to to trade for the haircut that he got now. Trevor, did you yeah. just call Gordon Hayward the Rob Palinka of haircuts? <laughs> yes, like, in a in a way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like um, something I would say, but you said it, and so I'm like a little stunned. It's the it's the analogies. It's the analogies tonight that um, we went from Arby's to haircuts. Like that's right. I, I love. Oh, uh, I know. There's some wild analogies tonight, right? 
they're flying all over the place. Analogy. And they're all coming from Trevor. Like they're all from me. And, and and <laughs> Matt isn't even on the show to give us his relationship analogies. So is his calling cowherd esque oh, relationship gosh. analogies. Yep. That's that's what's <laughs> happening here. All <laughs> right, everybody. Um we're going to wrap things up there, but appreciate everybody for joining us. If you submitted a super chat, we, I will get to it. We're doing another show. I'll do another show tomorrow night. Um, it'll be a recorded show, but I will get, I'm saving all of the super chats that came in. We had more than we could get to in one show today, which again, thank you guys so much. We really do appreciate it. I will get to all those. They will all go on the next episode. So that is going to be published. That podcast is going to get recorded tomorrow evening. The pod will go out very late that evening. The video will go out the next morning so that'll help preview the matchup with the clippers for thursday so again if you submitted a super chat that will go on the podcast that i will record tomorrow and we'll address all of those questions once again everybody thank you guys so much for joining us for jumping in here hopefully everybody feels maybe a little bit better maybe we did have our little group therapy session after this tough loss on opening night but guys sean ron chris thank you guys so much for here. chris great to great to see you on here again man yeah, great to, good have to see you guys. Yeah, totally. Ooh. Good to see you, Ron. Good to see you, Sean. Good, uh, good to see you, Trev. Yeah, I'll be back. It's gonna be a long season, but we'll get through it. We will, <laughs> we will indeed. We will get through it together. Thank you, everybody. Till next time. Stay safe and see you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.